Hey, this is Heart of the Matter 2.0. It is March 13th, and I'm sitting here with local pastor Nathaniel Taylor. We're going to call him Nate, and he is with the church Hidden Valley Presbyterian Church. It's in Draper. It's going to be renamed someday soon to Corner Canyon Church, but don't get it mixed up yet. Right now, presently, Hidden Valley. And uh, we're going to talk to him, and I'm really excited to have uh, Nate on the air. I had lunch with him uh, a number of months ago, and uh, we were able to have a very good conversation. He's a smart guy, a Biola guy, and we'll hear about his life, and then we're going to talk about some uh, theological things and about doing church in Utah and if his approach is the greatest approach on the face of the earth, etc., etc. So, uh, but before we do, let's begin with a word of prayer. Can you, you want to offer or you want me to? I'd love to offer, yeah. Do it, brother. Gracious God, I pray that you would bless our time and that through this discussion we would come closer and closer to your word and your truth. For your word is a light unto our feet, and may we live to serve you and to honor and glorify in all the, all the, all the things that we do. In Christ's name I ask all these things. Amen. Amen. Uh, Nate has a, a very gentle approach to things, but very smart. He's, he's acute, and he knows how to uh, uh, articulate his points. Um, you know that we started out reaching to LDS people seven years on television, and uh, tens of thousands of LDS people coming out of Mormonism as a result. And then we wondered, well, where are they going? What's happening? What, what are the churches doing with them once they've gone? And we kind of investigated that, and that turned our, our focus. And that's kind of what we are really talking about here is, where does a person go to church? Why would they go there? Uh, and we unabashedly say here at our church, it's the best approach on the face of the earth. Um, and we justify that. We stand by that for certain reasons. And we're going to get to hear from uh, Pastor Nate and hear about uh, why his approach and what's going on at, at Hidden Valley and uh, everything like that is important. We started the year off HOTM 2.0 October 31st of last year with this. I said this little segment. Let's take a look at this. In large part, the churches in Salt Lake City are taking people who have left the Mormon church and are putting them into more religious bondage. They may mean well, they may be evil, but in the end, the result is religious bondage, and it's wrong. So, uh, Brother Nate, as we do, as we've done with other pastors who have been on here, why don't we just get to know you a little bit and tell us about early life, upbringing, education, wife, children, Utah in uh, eight minutes or less. Yeah, so <laughs> I, uh, I grew up in uh, you know, a Christian home and the assemblies of God and um, it's like Pentecostal background. And so um, you know, I started to have doubts around 11 or 12, really started doubting and you know, things that were going on at church were hurtful and I just kind of was burned out with the church didn't want any part of it. So I was more kind of like, well, I, I don't really know if any of this is true. So, you know, let me go to church like once a month and maybe if God exists, he'll cut me a favor kind of thing. And I was thinking, that's a pretty good deal. So I'll just do that, you know, and live my life however I wanted to live it, you know. Um, and so, you know, I lived a, a path of, you know, rejecting Christ in my life and in my actions during that time period in high school, especially. 
Um, but uh, through uh, friends of mine uh, kept on badgering me excessively, um, uh, they had me listening to a debate between Greg Bonson and uh, Gordon Stein on whether God exists. Mm. And that debate, I know you don't like debates, mm. but I like debates because one of them changed my life. That's how I became a Christian, mm -hmm. is hearing that debate. So people do change their minds in debates, in discussion formats. Mm -hmm. And so listening to that, I'm like, oh my goodness, Greg Bonson basically proved that God exists. I got to change my whole life. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a pretty big deal, you know, if God exists and he does. And so I accepted Christ after that time and started going to church. And, you know, I haven't really looked back ever since, went to Biola got my BA in theology and earned a master's degree in philosophy, went to Westminster Seminary in California, and just really you know, was enriched by the professors there, mm. and the teaching there was just tremendous, and really grew me spiritually and uh, got me closer to Jesus, which is, we hope, the whole point of theological education rather than just being a cemetery, right? right? We hope. So we hope, right? So that's kind of my journey, and met my wife about four years ago. I hope I get that right, because she might be watching. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and so, uh, we, you know, we've just been just in love and we have two kids and they keep us up some nights and I was telling Sean I'm drinking a lot more coffee now than I ever had before. So. I wish I was. <laughs> uh, tell me now, uh, Westminster, is that in San Diego? Yes, yes. Okay. I've Escondido. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been to that. Escondido's place. got good burritos. They do. Yeah. Excellent. I'll remember that. Now, uh, tell us, to, so how did you come to Utah? Well, so I was serving as a youth pastor in South Carolina because work after seminary, you know, got a lot of experience. It's kind of a, a rough stick, right? Mm -hmm. So I was at a, at a youth program for about two years and then, uh, you know, felt the call to be a senior pastor and shot out my resume to all these churches. And Utah was uh, a great place. I always wanted to go there and uh, good ministry to LDS and to others, mm -hmm. uh, people who need Jesus and need to hear the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that was kind of a no-brainer for us. I see. So, uh, and did you just take that church over? Did you start that church? Yeah, I just controlled it all, you know. <laughs> order order six, 66, you know, executive powers. Yeah, yeah. Control everything Godfather style. Right, no, right. No, not at all. No, um, I mean, it, it's elder-led, elder as the New Testament teaches. There's a plurality of elders. Mm. And so uh, that's why it's a, you know, a Presbyterian church. Yeah, yeah. So there's a plurality of elders. And so I have equal authority with the rest of the men there. And we've talked about this, and we talk about this a bit on the show, because we've had, really, the only people who ever come on this show are Presbyterians. It's <laughs> uh, uh, some flavor of Presbyterianism. Uh, tell us the Presbyterianism of Hidden Valley. Well, I mean, it would be a conservative uh, evangelical approach to it. Uh, the historic Christian faith, which I would take to be, you know, once and all delivered to the saints, kind of Jude, Jude action there, um, you know, to the effect we believe in the second coming, the visible, glorious second coming of Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. affirm the Apostle Creed, the essentials of the faith. We believe in an eternal hell where, where there's differences there between us. Mm -hmm. So second coming, eternal hell, mm -hmm. uh, definitely big, big believers in the Trinity mm -hmm. there. Um, and so we really pioneer those foundational truths at Hidden Valley. So though I like you a lot and we're very friendly and you're a pretty awesome guy, you know, great to get Mexican food with you and everything. Mm -hmm. there's, we have some real theological differences. Am I your brother? Um, well, uh, you it, called me brother when I sat down. Well, uh, you know, it's that. So I, I, I would say, according to the Bible, I don't know your heart, right? Right. But um, because I'm not God, 
Yeah. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. So well, glad you clarified that. You know, that it was. <laughs> but but I, what, I, what I would say is, according to Second Timothy two, uh, verses sixteen through eighteen, what it says is that uh, there's uh, Hymenaeus and uh, Philetus, and that they did not they denied the resurrection, mm. and so Paul says that that belief uh, is a cancer. He also says, I mean, this is Paul talking. I'm not trying to be, you know, a nasty guy here, yeah. right? Uh, but Paul, Paul says that that is destroying the faith of many. Mm. So I don't know if Paul would call somebody who denies the, the, the glorious bodily resurrection a believer. That would be something I think Paul would, might, would take issue with. And mm. so in terms of the New Testament, that would be my understanding of that text. So your answer is? Uh, well, according to that text, it seems like I don't know your heart, and I don't know, you know, the long-term state of your soul, but in terms of that text, that means, you know, if I care and I love you as, as, as someone who's made in the image of God, I'm going to tell you the truth. It says yeah. in 1 Corinthians 13 that love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth, and a part of rejoicing in the truth is telling the truth yeah. in love, mm -hmm. and I would say, according to that text, I would be concerned about someone's state of their soul um, if they reject the bodily, physical resurrection. Okay, so... Um and if I am operating in love, mm -hmm. and I want to tell you the truth, sure. and I am trying to do the same, mm -hmm. so don't you see that there's a problem with that? And that's why there are so many denominations with everyone saying, I'm using this text to prove what the truth mm -hmm. is, and I have it, and I'm going to share it with you, and if you don't receive it, well, it's kind of, I, you know, I can say this, this is what the text says, and the text says this, and you're yeah. so, I mean, so how do you know? Well, so, you're, so I just understand what you're saying. Are you saying that uh, theological disagreements or Bible disagreements means that you can't know how to interpret the Bible? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying that you just said the text says this. Yes. About Hymenaeus. Yes. Right? And this is what it says. And therefore, because you're a full preterist, you know that, I guess. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I read your books, by the way. Now, you did? Yeah. I, I, you were I, able to stay awake? <laughs> With a baby screaming, I was rocking, reading Sean McCraney. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you poor guy. <laughs> Uh, can I ask which ones? Uh, yeah, the, uh, the, it's not the end of the world, mm -hmm. uh, Knife to a Gunfight, oh, and good. the book on hell. Oh, good. So, yeah. good. All right, so um, the way I see it, you're taking Scripture, and you're saying, Sean, your views are not concurrent with Scripture, and out of love, mm -hmm. I have to tell you that. But when I read Scripture, I don't think your views are concurrent with Scripture, and I have to tell you that. So, sure. where, so where do we, when do we come to some sort of flag-waving instead right. of the objective approach to say it's subjectively understood? Well, I guess I'm confused, and you can help me out here because it's obviously your show and your, your stick, and I, I get that. Um, you know, because initially you said come on my show and prove the Bible, prove our approach wrong. That was kind of a challenge in the James White debate and everything, or debate, a discussion, you know, ham sandwich, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, you know, that was kind of the thing. And, and so I would assume by that you say, come on the show and let's talk about what the Bible says. And we're, you know, it, using the Bible as our guide, we're going to kind of establish what position is, yeah. is, is more reasonable. And, you know, that's, that would be kind of the way you want to show what position is more reasonable by giving contextual arguments and that kind of thing. And, but everyone does it and everyone disagrees. Yeah. Yeah, so, so what, what's kind of the point behind that? I, I don't know. I don't see a point behind it. That's why I don't like debates. I think that 
it's one guy rattling his cage and you rattling yours and, <laughs> and, uh, and everyone who likes you and, and, and thinks the way you think and was raised the way you were raised uh, is going to think like you and walk out and say he's the victor. And people who like me and like the way I think, and what, they're going to say he's the victor. And we go on and we have denominations and we have these guys saying this and that. And we have guys sitting on a stage saying, hey, man, I'm not sure you're my brother because, hey, you don't believe in the bodily resurrection uh, relative to, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I see you're saying you're pointing out disagreement, but I mean, I would still say that just because people disagree on how to interpret God's revelation doesn't mean there's objectivity about God's revelation. There's still uh, an objective answer, you know. So, for instance, like um, you say that Christians should be in agreement about Jesus, uh, you know, believing in Jesus and loving your neighbor. That's kind of the thing I got from faith and love. Yeah. Fa faith and love, right? Yeah. And, you know, and I, I, I assume you would think that that would bring theological unity. Is that kind of your, your viewpoint? I would, I would hope it would bring some. Yeah, and I was thinking through that. I was reading through your book, and it was very interesting and engaging in that way. But, like, first of all, who's Jesus, and what does it mean to love? So, I mean, some people would say. Exactly. Well, yeah, so, so even your approach doesn't bring that kind no, of. No, because that's a subjective response. Yeah. We don't know what faith is. We don't know. What, it's up yeah. to them. Yeah. So how are you going to judge that? Yeah, and I, I guess I'm thinking here, you know, if someone has that approach, if you don't know what faith is and you don't know what love is, then how are you supposed to live the Christian life in, in, in your view? Subjectively, yeah. not objectively. But you, you can't, you can't yeah. measure it. You can't quantify it. And because, and the reason you can't, because no one's been able to. And so what we have are disagreements ad nauseum, mm -hmm. and we have uh, denominationalism run amok, and we have everybody saying this is the right way, this is the right way. And the reason, Nate, that we're doing this show, mm -hmm. and getting back to your saying about sure. how we, we did the first thing and called people out to come and use the Bible. Right. In the emails I've said, I want to hear, I don't want to have a Bible bash. I teach the Bible every week. Sure. We could get it out and go. You've read the books. You know I, I read the Bible. So do you. I want to know why your approach is one good for people who have exited Mormonism. Mm -hmm. I want to know why they shouldn't go to South Mountain. You're in their neighborhood. Right. I right. want to know why uh, Orthodox or, or Presbyterianism, PCA? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, PCA. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Why PCA is better than, or is it not, better than a South Mountain or a Calvary Chapel or a campus? What are you doing? What, how is your approach the best approach on the face of the earth? And when a Latter-day Saint comes into your church, what are they going to get that doesn't put them into bondage, that's going to give them liberty in Christ and help them to break free from the trappings of religion, not put them into more? That's my question for every pastor. What are you doing to people coming into your church? Are you just indoctrinating them again, or are you setting them free? Well, yeah, I think the gospel sets them free, okay. and, and that's my hope is, is to be preaching that. And, you know, the gospel, part of the gospel is not just a, a liberation of the soul, but it's, a, it's a, of the body. That's what we wait for the redemptions of our, of our bodies, right? And so... I believe in the resurrection, understand. Don't, yeah. don't think I don't believe in a resurrection. I've never said that. Okay. I don't believe bodies are rising out of the grave anymore. I think that it's a spiritual resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15. I don't want to start citing scripture. No, yeah, sure, yeah. sure. It's a yeah. spiritual resurrection. Okay. And, yeah, that's, and so I believe in a resurrection. We're going to get new bodies. Okay. Yeah, just not material. Not, not a physical body, right? And, right. you know, this Greek word for soma, Greek is a physical body. That's what the Greek word means. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it talks about even in John 5, 28 through 29, that they're going to be rising out of their, 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 their tombs. Uh -huh. um, 
and on the last day, you know. That age? Did, did, that, did that already happen in, in... In that age, 70 AD, Jesus' return? Yes, as a full preterist, of course. So, but their, but their bodies didn't come out of the tombs? No, there was, well, I don't know what that age. I don't know yeah. about that age. I just know now, no. I think that we're being resurrected as we die. But I don't want to make this show about resurrection. Sure, no, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I believe in a resurrection is what I'm saying. Sure, and, and like that to me is a central hope because Paul's like, the reason why I'm on trial here is the resurrection of the dead. This is the part of the gospel. Right. And so that's what I think frees people is that someday there will be a time where there will be no more pain, no more suffering for believers. Right. That God will wipe every tear from her eye. There will be no more uh, mourning. That's and I agree with that. Revelation 21.4 says. So agree with it. That, 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 that to, oh, so you, you think that, that's the, that at some point... I just don't think the liberation comes from a body coming up materially out of a grave that's been there for 2,000 years or from the bottom of the sea, and that's going to be the liberation. I think the liberation is they get a new body, a heavenly body, spiritual body, like Paul says, mm -hmm. and that's what God gives them according to his will and desires, and that is what we will abide in in heaven. Remember, that was of the earth. is not going to be in heaven. So, but again, that's right. a side issue. I just want you to know I, I do believe in the resurrection. Right, not the bodily, physical resurrection. Uh, no, not a physical resurrection. Right, right. Yeah. And, so, and uh, I don't see any liber I don't see, you believe in a resurrection that's physical. I believe in a resurrection right. that's spiritual. Body, body. You say soma, that's only one way to describe a, a, a heavenly body. You know, they're going to use soma, right? Well, I wouldn't use body. It would be like saying it's an immaterial, material thing. I would never use that word. Yeah, I, I think wanted they to, would. Yeah, I mean, because that's a contradiction. Because if I say, just as I'm thinking through it, you know, if I say that's material and that's fully material and that's fully immaterial. That's a contradiction. That's like yeah. saying something is red and green all over. That, that kind of yeah. well, doesn't I, make sense to me. Yeah, it, it makes sense to me when I, read, when I read what Paul says about the resurrection. Right. So I think that resurrection is a spiritual resurrection. That is, there are heavenly bodies and there are spiritual bodies and there are physical bodies. And I, I think we get 1 Corinthians 15 out. The lines he says there tell me the resurrection is spiritual. You say the resurrection is physical. Fine. Right, right. I do believe in a resurrection, though. You say it's not a resurrection according to your definition. Well, it would be according to the definition of the Pharisees, which Paul says, I agree with I'm you I'm not guys. alone in this, though. So, because you and how your interpretation is says that it's physical. I'm not alone in my idea that it's not. Well, there are others. Are they wrong? Don Preston? I mean, who do, I mean, where do we do? So I get my camp over here to say, we believe it's spiritual and you get your camp? This is the problem. You and I are evidencing the very problem I'm talking about right well, now. Yeah, having uh, you know, uh, a discussion about the Bible, that's, I don't think that's a problem. Yeah, I think it's a problem because what you're saying is my view is correct. And so therefore, you don't have a belief in a resurrection, Sean. So therefore, I would not consider you a brother. That's the line of thought you've gone down. Well, well, but in reality, yeah. my view of resurrection is concurrent with other very good Christians who support that idea too and understand the Greek and have gone to Biola's. So I don't want to get on these topics. I want to understand wh what you're bringing to the valley with Hidden Valley to LDS people. Are you bringing them, you say the gospel, does that include what? What, what can they expect coming to your church? Yeah, I mean, I mean, so, so I, just so I understand what you're saying, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm trying to comprehend it, and I did have trouble understanding some of the things in Knife to Gunfight, so I, I'm just trying that to makes sense. understand your, your, your views. Yeah. So you said, oh, the problem is I'm I think I'm correct, right? Well, it's not a problem. It's no. the problem with your assignment of thinking you're correct. We all think we're correct, uh -huh. but when you assign your view as being the correct view, 
and my view as being the incorrect view, right. there's a huge problem with that, brother, because we divide almost every, over everything. Right, but what you just said, you, what you just said you think is correct, right? About I personally right. do, but I don't say yours isn't. I say, I can't, that's your opinion, brother. That's your opinion. So when people come out of Mormonism, they come to Hidden Valley, you're going to teach them a literal resurrection and oh, a yeah. second coming. Oh, yeah. And okay, yeah. so now we're yeah. getting somewhere. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. 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 To, to your point, yeah, yeah. I apologize if, if I've been uh, rude to you at all. But I, I'm, I was, I'm just trying to, trying to work with, understand your position yeah. and have a discussion because that was my assumption going on the show is to, you know, prove my, my view and to prove yours not, well, well I, I don't think it lines up with the Bible in my view. Yeah. Um, because that's the whole spirit of the challenge I kind of yeah. figured, you know. And I don't that think was, that was, I, I think, yeah. you, no, but the spirit of the challenge is we said we have the best approach on the face of the earth. Yeah. And, and that was really the spirit of the challenge in our emails. I, right. I clarified for you, no, this is what we're looking for, mm -hmm. right? So I, I don't think there's a, I just want to know, um, you can sit here and with me and mm. we can go back and prove each other right and wrong and use scripture and everything else but i just don't think it amounts to anything what i what i'm looking for is for lds people who watch the show mm -hmm. who to say do i want to go to his church mm -hmm. that's what i'm looking for and i want to ask you questions about your church being a pastor in this valley are you putting people in religious bondage that's what i want to know because i believe that our approach does not Mm -hmm. And I think that taking the Bible without any authority from the Bible, you have got none from the Bible. You take it, you speak to it as if it is going on right now, and you can put people into bondage using that Bible. I want to know if you're doing that at Hidden Valley. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess like it depends on what bondage is. Bondage because, is. Because obviously the Bible says in John, the truth will set you free. Yeah. So whatever the truth is, it's going to set you free. That's right. Whatever so, it is. so and that's what we're trying to get as a truth. Right. If the truth will set you free, then you may think it's bondage, but it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what you think. I mean, obviously, I care what you think as you're a person, and you know, I love you're made in God's image, and I hope I feel the same way about myself, right? Mm, yeah. But I, I, I would say like it doesn't matter our opinions with respect to the truth. The truth is the truth, and whatever it is, whether I like it or whether I don't like deno denominational uh, disagreements the truth will set us free and that's I agree. And, and and that's that's what i try to present on sunday morning is the truth but i would say that the truth sets people free mm -hmm. yeah i would say that it does set people free okay that the truth does not put people in bondage right right would uh, it? yeah oh, always yeah, yeah always would mm -hmm. set them free you would agree with that right right so let's talk about what you do at hidden valley and see if you're setting people free or you're putting them into bondage am I? right 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 yeah and, and so if it's god's word though no matter what it is it's going to set you free okay uh, you're right, no yeah. matter what it is. Yeah. His, his word, his truth is completely objective. Even if I don't like it. Right, I agree, yeah. completely. Yeah. But, but uh, I just want to understand. So for instance, just for instance, yeah. uh, which I know you don't agree with, we believe that the Bible clearly teaches, and I know you believe otherwise, that Jesus has come back. Right. And, and, and that Jesus said it, and his apostles taught it, and, and the books of the Bible strongly support it. You say, no, he's coming back future. Which one gives people more freedom? Oh, I would say uh, the view that Jesus is coming back again in a physical body because mm -hmm. it provides a redemption for your body and it comes to, you come to a place where... The redemption of the physical body. Right, You right. think people who want that. You think that's something yes. that yes. you do. Because I don't. Yeah. This, this fat thing, I don't want this back. 
Well, you, I, I want I want a new body that isn't that where I can kiss my elbows and I can fly and I can transmit to different well, planets. I don't want this thing. Well, that, that's not the position that the historic Christian church has held about that. That we're going to have the, the sinful parts of my body and your body. Or that's not the position. Well, oh, what is the position? Yeah, the position is that you you would be as raised with 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 your body. It would be transformed. That's what uh, Philippians 3:21 says. That yeah. your, our lowly bodies, yeah. which our bodies are lowly, yeah. uh, will be transformed like a glorious body of Jesus Christ. Okay. And and so uh, that couldn't mean the church. That couldn't mean his collective body. You mean the actual body of Jesus Christ. Yeah, the body, the physical body yeah. of, of Jesus Christ is, you know, I, I think that in context, in the larger redemptive context of Acts and Paul going before the Sadducees and the Pharisees mm -hmm. saying, this is the resurrection and that bodies are rising from physical graves. And you go to yeah. Acts 17, you look at that and, mm -hmm. and he's telling about the resurrection. They're like, oh, I don't want it. The Greeks didn't like the mm -hmm. physical resurrection. They like the spiritual stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. similar to what, I guess, full preterist thought is. And they mm -hmm. recoiled at Paul's bodily resurrection. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's something about, you know, Christianity. It's not just a spiritual spear, in mm -hmm. my view. What makes my approach great, what, what I understand, is that Adam, God made Adam with a physical body and a soul, body and soul. Mm -hmm. Body and soul, if you reject Jesus Christ, sends you to hell. Matthew 10, um, 28 says, do not fear him who can kill the body and do nothing to you afterwards. Yeah. Fear that guy, who, you know, fear God who can put both body and soul into hell. Yeah. And so the damage in the fall, and yeah. my, my view of part of the good news, the damage in the fall is that body and soul are under the curse of sin mm -hmm. and are thrown in hell. The mm -hmm. solution to that is that Jesus took hell for us on the cross. Mm -hmm. And so we have now freedom in body and soul in the new heavens and new earth when Jesus physically comes back. So if Jesus came back the way I believe, yeah. um, then the hope is lost for a resurrection? Well, yeah, there's no redemption for the body. You know, sin goes on forever amongst believers. There's always a believer who's going to be struggling with sin. Always, you know, those school shootings that are just sad and horrific. That are going to be that. That will never end, yeah. basically, with believers. And so, right. my view is that there's finally a plateau, great, or I shouldn't call it plateau, a yeah. heightened victory yeah. of just no amongst believers, no mourning, no pain, uh. nothing. It's just perfect bliss, you know, worshiping and serving Got Jesus, it. body and soul, the way God created us. Got it. Jesus S solves that. That's so, okay, so, people coming to Hidden Valley right. get the hope, and I understand this, you are setting them free mm -hmm. with the hope of getting a redeemed physical body <laughs> and not, and not, being, not uh, being exposed to these things anymore. This will all end. This is going to be over with. Jesus is coming back. Right. Will, will earth and heaven roll up as a scroll and be gone away forever and all that? Well, I, I, would, I, I would take that. I would have the, the clear text interpret the unclear text. Yeah. And Second Peter 3 talks about the burning of the elements. Yeah. And so I would view it as a burning and a transformation. Transformation. Yeah. Transformation of this present world, just like our bodies are right. like a kernel in the ground, and they'll be transformed into something. You right. know, it is it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in, in honor. honor right. Yeah, and so the same referent, my physical body will be raised in that regard. So in that way, you're liberating them with a hope that someday, and we've been looking for that for two thousand years. Even though Jesus and the apostles said it's going to be quick, thousand but, a thousand days, you know, with the Lord, you know, is one day, and a it's day like, is a thousand years, meaning they both cancel they, each other out, yeah. and there's no such thing as time. Right. 
Right. So right. It, it could go either way. It but can't but go either way. It's, it's, it's a cancel out. So what I'm saying is we've been waiting for 2,000 years for what something Jesus right. said would happen within a generation. Uh, the book of Revelation says, I come quickly, I come quickly, I come quickly, I come quickly. Seven times I'm coming quickly in the Greek means I'm coming now. And he doesn't show up to the seven churches at, 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 uh, in Revelation. He doesn't show up when, he, when John says, I'm coming quickly. He doesn't show up. What are we doing? He came. But anyway, I just wanted to make clear for people who are coming out of Mormonism, you can come to his church and you can get that hope that Jesus is going to come back. And because of the school shootings and the disease and the stuff, they will have that hope to cling to. And I want to tell you when they come to campus, you will have that hope stripped of you. You will come here and we will tell you, no, he came. And we're going to show it to you through the scripture. And you can uh, test it with the scripture, test it with the scripture. And then you can see what's happening with the kingdom now, how this kingdom will never end. This world's not ending. And God is going to continually add to his kingdom with people who come to know him here on this earth. What do you do with people when it comes to hell? For instance, if an LDS woman, this happened in a church close to you. Boy, this is fun. This happened in a <laughs> church really close to you. LDS woman had a son kill himself, homosexual, didn't know the Lord, wasn't elect. Uh, and he walked into a she walked into a pastor and said, you know, I just don't know what to do. I've come out of the Mormon church and my son killed himself. And the pastor said he's in hell. Oh, yeah. wow. would that, that wouldn't be your take. No, well, well he, here's why I would never say that. Um, because I don't know the person's soul right before they died. Uh, yeah, right. Um, you know, I mean, uh, you know, my grandfather, for instance, was an unbeliever yeah. uh, most of his life. And I loved him very much. Great guy. Yeah. Um, you know, fun to talk philosophy with that guy. Fun to have discussions. It runs in my blood. I'm, a, yeah. I'm Irish, so, you know. Well, so am I. <laughs> so, we, you know, um, so, you know, just fun to have discussions with them. And, you know, he passed on about a, a year ago. Very sad, very hard time for me. Um, but I don't know what he thought right before he died. He may have accepted Christ. Mm. I don't know. Mm. I would never see, I would not say, Sean McCraney, you are going to hell, buddy. Mm. Yeah. I wouldn't say that because mm. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not going to be like, you know, following you at home. And, you know, mm. I, I wouldn't say that, you know, and, and I, I'm concerned when Christians say that in that kind of blanket, unqualified sense, because I don't know people's state right before they mm. die. In fact, I think there will be people in heaven that we're surprised about. Mm. And I think, you know, just like the thief on the cross, right? Mm. Today you will be with me in paradise. Mm -hmm. That's what Jesus says. And that is great news. Mm, that is you great know, news. just that the last second of your life, mm -hmm. you know, it, no matter how rotten and corrupt and wretched you are, I'm, mm -hmm. we're, we're both wretched, we're both sinful. Mm -hmm. You know, we could just be in paradise just mm -hmm. by saying, Jesus, remember me mm -hmm. when you come in your kingdom. Just remember me, not even I, I believe in you. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think there's assumed belief there, but I, I, would, I would say, you know, in the fact that he's asking him to remember and become in his kingdom, which assumes he's mm. God of that kingdom, mm. you know, king in a kingdom. Yeah. But still, I mean, that's amazing. That, that is, is amazing. so cool, you know, that we can have that kind of hope, even though we, you know, fail so often, um, hurt others, you know, and cause damage to each other and everything, we can still have that hope. And so I, and I, I say, you know, love hopes all things, love believes all things. And I have a hope that many people, you know, before they they uh, go on in, into eternity, will accept Jesus Christ. So, uh, one point for Hidden Valley, because the church, uh, which was um, uh, South Mountain, it was Paul Roby who told that to somebody, uh, a woman. And, and so, uh, he's in Draper too, so if you're Mormon, and you're going to go to a church, at least in terms of a response from the pastor, 
of what happens to someone who kills himself who apparently doesn't know the Lord, at least this pastor will say, well, we don't really know. He may have accepted him right before. Instead of the rote, he's in hell. So thank you for that one. Um, but unfortunately, what you do is when you teach, you will teach mm -hmm. um, that there is a limited number that God elects for heaven. I wouldn't use limited, though. You wouldn't use limited? No. Oh. Say the world, I would hold to most people. I'm a, I, I, uh, my views on the end times and stuff, I, the views, and I hold the infant salvation, and uh, most babies, you know, unfortunately have been, you know, naturally aborted, not aborted, but naturally uh, miscarried, right? Okay. I think over 70%. So I would say heavens, there are more people in heaven than there will be in hell, okay. my view. But in terms of people who have lived on this earth, uh, I mean, I thought that the standard view was that God elects those he elects. And those he yeah, well, uh, if you hold to a view like post-millennialism, which is that and as time goes on, the, the, the church is like a mustard seed, will grow into a massive uh, garden yeah. uh, tree, bigger than all the other uh, shrubs. Yeah. And as 11, uh, Romans 11, 25 and 26 says, of the fullness of the Gentiles come in, yeah. all Israel will be saved. Yeah. So this is kind of a, uh, a view that's held amongst certain Presbyterians, uh, I'm, I'm, I lean towards this view. This is a view I embrace. Um, and so I, I would not say, that, I would say that comparatively heaven will be fuller uh, than hell. Okay, uh, comparatively, because of those extenuating circumstances right. of miscarriage and things like that. And, and that I think that you know, we'll fulfill the Great Commission and all nations will be baptized. So uh, when you brought up compared to in uh, other Presbyterian churches, uh -huh. There are others that would teach something differently. Yeah. And so is that, is that a, a big thing in your mind, that they would teach something differently, or a small thing in your mind? You know, I mean, there's no Bible verse that, um, you know, I, I, by the way, I, I was not trying to be harsh with that Bible verse. I'm just telling you what I read the Bible. Oh, no, no, and, no, know, it's I, fine. I, I'm not, I, I, nothing personal. You're a great guy. No, no, no. You bought me Mexican food. I'm not a great you know, guy. You're, 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 you well, don't understand you're, me. You're nice to me, so thank yeah. you. Um, <laughs> You know, um, you're, you're, you've been very friendly to me, and I appreciate that. And so I, I don't want you to think I'm being personal. I'm, I'm doing it because I really care for you, and I, I love you. I love you, and too, I, and, I and that's hope, why we're I hope having I'm this not, discussion. you know, coming across that way. So, no. uh, yeah, so I would say that those beliefs are not condemned in Scripture, different views in the end times. We have people at our church that hold to pre-mill, post-mill, amill. I'm not talking all, about all eschatology. I'm different just kind of wondering about the differences between you and the different... Uh, offshoots within Presbyterianism. Oh, well, it depends on what you're talking about. I know, and, and if yeah. there's those differences, and do they matter? Do those differences matter? Well, if you're talking about us, like the PCA sure. and the OPC. Or orthodoxy. Doesn't, that, that's, that's, I mean, I could, I, the OPC and the PCA are both comparable to me. They're both very good. So why is there a difference? Um, I, I, there, we, we almost got together, <laughs> actually, in the, in the, I think it was the 80s. So, um, so I mean, I, I would want us to come together. I, I'm, I'm, I would work towards that. I think that's really good. But why so, don't they? Well, I think people are sinful, you know, and people don't, don't learn to have good conversations and there's politics involved and that's, that's gonna be uh, always this way in this sin-cursed age until Jesus comes back. Ah, yeah, so I that's, see. That's, that would be how I take that and I think we should extend grace and love to people who disagree with us and um, you know people who take different views on the end times and on infant salvation there's there's differences on that um, it's just you know come together and reason like men and talk it out and work through it and I've I've actually believe it or not I mean I know you talk about disagreements and stuff being bad I've had friends change 
my mind, and I've changed my friend's mind. I don't think disagreements are bad. I mean, that's it, not we're, correct. We're working, working through it. I, I apologize. Not even. I'm working through them with you right now. Okay. And we have okay. James White I, and, and and Matt Slick and and Jason Law. I'm not yeah. against working through. What I am against is when one person will sit and say, "Well." You know, if you don't do this, then I think, you know, it's going to be hard for me to even think of you as a brother, which means you're not a Christian, which means, I mean, I give my life to Christ. I serve him. I love people better because of him. I've come out of a sin life because of him. All of that because of him. And yet, because I dif dif disagree with people radically on theology, even you sitting on the stage mm. said, mm, I just, the brother, well, you know, I'm in uh, and, and that is what I'm talking about. That's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Even within your own faith, you have things, and your, and your reason for saying it is that we're sinful, that we're sinful. So all we're doing, all I'm trying to say is, let's stop being sinful in the body toward each other who differ on things that I just don't see matter. Yeah, but I mean, you know, for me, working through Galatians, for instance, it says that people are anathema for rejecting the gospel. And so if someone rejects the gospel, that's, that's, a, that's a serious thing. And if I love somebody, if someone's on drugs, I'm not gonna be like, you know, it's, you know, you like crack cocaine. You can do what you want to do. Oh, you want to be a prostitute? That's terrific. Have a good time. You want to be a child molester? Wonderful. I'm not going to do, I'm going to say, I'm praying for you. Like, please change your view or cha change, your, change your bad perspective on this. And so if somebody rejects the gospel, I'm going to want to love and care and pray and try to lead them in the truth. I can sometimes be a direct and blunt instrument, but I want to do my best to try to rejoice in the truth. And that means telling the truth. And that's what love is all about. So uh, just using your example, uh, you know, what it's saying there with all the apostles, and this is why I think full preterism, at least partial preterism works, is you're looking at a timestamp of that. Mm -hmm. Look at what they were under. We have Roman oppression, we have Judaizing, we have Gnosticism, and it's all in preparation, all happening to the bride of Christ before he comes. And the apostles' message to them is cling together, cling together, stay together. And if someone does this, they're anathema. The guy sleeps with his dad's wife, kick him out of the church, right? But that was for that time and place, right? Right. I mean, they had to have a unified body then. And so we had apostles who were gifted magnificently with the Holy Spirit to call those things out and say, this has to happen. That We don't have them anymore. We have his word, which is disputed by everybody. Everyone disputes even on something as simple as you've read as baptism, water baptism. The gift of the Holy Spirit, born again, saved by grace, once saved, always saved. Endless stuff. That is not the body of Christ. That's what I'm arguing for, my brother. That's what I'm arguing for, that we can do it better. Now, and I would have no problem if you said, you know, Sean, I don't think your, your stuff is correct at all. But I'll give you the benefit of the doubt of being a Christian. We don't do that. We do not do that. Just because they did it under apostolic rule at a time and place when they had to stay together. Today, we are in such a different world. We have people coming to churches. We don't know if they're sleeping with their dad's wife or not. We don't know anything about it. We're, or or you're, I, I, we talked about church discipline, so uh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, so you see, like, this is interesting. That the fundamental assumption here is that Jesus came back and things were totally different. And that kind of, in, in your thinking, as I understand you talking, is that... Is that right? That's oh, why everything changed. Yeah, and so that's why I'm, you know, kind of hitting at that point of being 
crucial because, you know, if, if Jesus is coming back, which I believe he is, I think there's that resurrection from the graves and um, Acts 24, we see that resurrection. Even in your book, by the way, you say that that mellow is used there, which means about to be. Mm -hmm. However, I looked up that in Greek and that's actually incorrect translation of that. Mm -hmm. It's not about to be that mellow with a infinitive uh, future is actually indicates certainty, not mm. shortness of time. Mm. So you can find that in a lexicon, for instance. So, I mean, you know, those sort of things, I don't see any time text indicates the resurrection is soon to come I, at all. There's no time text like that. Well, it's tied to his coming, isn't it? Um, I would say it's tied to his physical coming, yeah. yeah. But, but, but there's a ju coming in judgment that some people see at 70 AD. Uh. So there's a coming, you know, Isaiah 19.1 talks about him coming in the clouds in judgment. So it's not like God was on a cloud, you know, like, you know, physical God on a cloud hanging out, you know, going against Egypt, but it's a, it's a, it's a form of judgment coming that, that many would see it as. So, I mean, that's how pe people understand Matthew 24, yeah. many, many evangelical Christians. So, I mean, I would say with respect to the resurrection and the, and the physical bodily coming of Christ, that that hasn't happened. And there's no time text that indicates a nearness there in, oh, in my, in, oh. of, of the physical body. Now, you, you brought up Revelation, soon to come, near to come. Yeah. However, not everything in Revelation is soon to come, near to come. Mm -hmm. um, because in, uh, in actually Revelation chapter 12, mm -hmm. what you have there is you have past events being recounted about sure. Jesus being born. So not every single detail, but I can see the point that the majority of it is. Well, the opening and closing uh, uh, chapters, the very first verses and the very last verses are, I come quickly. Right, but, but, but that, I think that summarizes, you, you could summarize the majority of that, but not everything in there is soon to come because it recounts some no, past events. Well, they recapitulate in the book of Revelation, so of course there's going to be a recounting. And, but and there's things. past events that, not, that are not near to come, soon to come. Right, but the, what the, the major prophetic stuff of what John was receiving for the seven churches was definitely going to happen soon. Oh, so yeah. your point is right. Yeah, they might talk about Jesus' birth, okay? Oh, and his, asc and his ascension and, yeah. and uh, yeah. you know, all that, and, and Israel's past and everything. But, you know, uh, and so I think there can be parts that refer to the future there, especially when you're talking about a thousand-year reign. It's hard for me to imagine within a 40-year period, a thousand years has have gone by. A thousand years is at least symbolic for okay. a thousand years. You're still wanting to argue eschatology with me on this. Oh, and, I, I, and, I just, it changes bringing, everything. It, yeah, well, it does change everything. Because the gospel thing. It, and, it does change yeah, everything. Yeah. And I must admit, I have to admit, if I'm wrong on my eschatology, then we should be doing church the way the New Testament church is being done. No question about that. I mean, we should be following to it to a T. But I doubt you even do that. Well, oh, I, I did. I saw one of your shows, and yeah. uh, but I, 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 you're very fun and likable in your shows, and I, I got a good chuckle at your Thanks jokes. Thanks for reiterating that. It, you know, uh, but get to the point. Yeah, but I mean, the point is, is this: is that uh, I, I, you did say that church discipline, you would do it if Jesus didn't come back. That's right. If he um, hadn't come back, I'd do what they're doing in the New Testament. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So. Uh, I mean, that's why I think that's pretty central in terms of, you know, discussing our differences. It obviously is central, but that's established. I just want to know now, I mean, we differ on that, but what are you doing with people who come into to your church? You teach the second coming. Fine. You say that gives them hope of coming out of the grave. Mm -hmm. Good. What else are you giving them in terms of freedom? Are you, are you, do you preach tithes? Um, I, I've not preached a sermon on that. Do you teach the word? I teach the word, yeah. Really? Yeah. How do you justify that one? Well, well so, I mean, uh, I, I, first of all, 10% ties, all that. I don't think, I think it's... Well, that's a, what it means, doesn't it? A, 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 yeah, it's, it's redundant. You're right. Good point. Um, but the, but that, that is mentioned in Matthew 23, right? Uh, he says, you guys tithe mint and dill. Who's he talking to? The Pharisees. Right. But you should have done these also and done the weightier matters of the law. Right. Um, now, of course, 
if, if, if one thinks that Christ is coming back uh, in the future and not everything's been, been fulfilled, right, then of course it's understandable why someone would understand that as an actual tithe text. Yeah. So, so you, you understand that having come from Mormonism where tithing is a law in order to get your new and everlasting covenant, that when people come out of that church and they're looking for a place to have a relationship with Christ, they walk into a place like yours and they're hearing tithes again. And yet, I don't see a real strong justification in the New Testament for the use of it. Yet we do. Uh, it's an Old Testament concept. Uh, even in the, the Gospels used, it's still pretty much Old Testament. I don't see Paul ever talking about tithes, ever using the word. Uh, collections, mm, okay. Uh, gatherings for the saints in Jerusalem, all right. But he says, look, uh, uh, I'm not going to even take from what you give because I'm going to set an example for you on how to be. But they will walk into your church as well as they do for most, and they'll hear you talk about tithes. To a Mormon, that means 10% of my gross, if I want gross blessings, 10% of my net, if I want net blessings. What's the difference? Uh, well, so first off, I'm not like, that was the only text I would go to in tithes. And so I'm not certain about tithes. I'm, I'm willing to say this is something that Christians disagree on. And, uh, you know. Will you I, change it? Um, if, if I could get, be given evidence that tithes are no longer... I'll send you some evidence. Yeah, but, but 23 was, was, was that I used to not believe in tithes. I, I, I talked to an OPC pastor. He convinced me of tithes, uh, that text I just gave you. I bet he did. Um, well, well, because it's, it seemed reasonable. Uh, 23 does not... That is not a... Matthew 23, you, you is, tithe mint and dill. You should have done these also and do the weightier matters of the law. He's talking to the Pharisees. Come on, he's talking to Jews. He's talking to people who are well, under the law. Of course he's going to talk to them about tithes that do, was do, do you think jesus was being honest when he said that you should have to done them, yes okay but paul came to us we're not under the law we don't relate to the same thing so paul does not speak of tithes we're anywhere. not so under the law like um don't want to debate it i'm just saying we don't see paul i'm just trying to understand it. what you're saying when i Is, ask questions didn't, didn't paul bring it to us didn't paul give the gentiles the gospel i mean peter did first but then yeah. paul he doesn't ever use it ever well, he talks about giving to the church. Giving, and, and, cheerfully. And, 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 that, and that's fine. So if I'm looking at a text, I'm like saying, Paul's giving, give, give stuff to the church. And you have Matthew 23, and you have tithes being spoken of, right? Um, there's no contradiction between Paul saying, give, 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 be a cheerful giver and give, and then Jesus saying, oh, tithe, um, you know, there's, there's no a huge contradiction. Tithe is 10%. Cheerful giver might be 90%, might be 2%. There's a difference. Or 15 or 20. Or 15 or 20, it's but not. it's lost when you use the word tithe to people in this state. And that's what I'm just trying to convince every pastor I meet with. Right. But it's like pulling teeth. You guys love that word. But, but if it's the truth, and if it's what- It's that, not the truth. But, but I'm, I'm, I, I understand if I can just finish and say this. Okay. If, if, it's, if it's the truth, right? And, and it may not be. I, I think, I, I think that's, that's the best text you got is Matthew 23, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah. That's the best text. If that's true, and it, it may not be, if it is true, it will set you free because I trust God's wisdom. I would trust that too. Over, and, that, and that's my point. Sure. I mean, so if you want to talk about freedom, I say whatever the Bible says. Yeah. And if we're trying to faithfully understand it, that's what's truth. That's what sets you free. That's what's loving to tell people about. Yeah. And I would just uh, reiterate to our audience that the use of tithes, borrowing it from Matthew 23, which is Jesus talking to Pharisees in an extension of the Old Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, extensions of the Old Testament. New Testament doesn't really start till Acts, probably, uh, maybe uh, with uh, Acts 2, but probably Acts 10, that we don't have to hear of tithes after that. We hear of being cheerful givers. That's it. That's what should be preached. 
if you want to give, be a cheerful giver. That is what we want to hear preached. And that is what we think the Bible supports when it's contextually read and not just taking the word and seeing where it's found. Uh, church discipline. Let's talk about that. You do it. Uh, well, I, I haven't had to yet uh, in, in this That's particular good. church. Um, You're leading well. <laughs> well, uh, there's not been anything ranked that's gone on, so... Whoa, 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 whoa! Stop! <laughs> what? Not been anything, like, really bad, is what I'm trying to say, that, that, that's gone on in terms of, like... How many so, people come to your church? Oh, on a good Sunday, 60. And, and, and how long have you been pastoring? Uh, about two years now. 60 people, two years, nothing rank has gone well, on. Well, I, I, mean, I can guarantee you something rank has gone on in the past three days. Well, I, I, mean, I mean, that where you confront somebody... And, and they say, I'm, so just understand your yeah. discipline here. Yeah, tell me. Yeah, when someone, when, when there's evidence that says, okay, this person is living in unrepentant sin, you know, pastor, you know, I don't care if, if I'm looking at pornography. I don't care what the Bible says. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. That hasn't happened. How about I care, but I just can't seem to stop? Well, it, now, you, you, now that, that, that in terms of discipleship and working with somebody is a case-by-case basis. Mm. It's a, you know, and so... You, so how do you, how shepherding the flock yeah. and having the apostles in the New Testament, they could, they could kind of, uh, it was a small, small community yeah. and, and everybody knew kind of everybody else's business. But we don't have apostles today who kind of have that gift to be able to call people out on their specific thing. You are over 60 people on a good day and you have two years of looking over and nothing heinous has happened. Well, I, 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 there may be. But there's not evidence of it of two to three witnesses. That's the evidence standard. Okay. There, there, there may be something heinous, you know, and, you know, obviously I'm not going to, I don't feel comfortable, you know, even if there were, I'm not going to tell people what's going on in my church. That's, yeah. That's, that's kind but of private just, matters. But no, I'm not, I don't want specifics, but I'm just talking about how do you police, a, how do you, poli- how, where does it end? Where do you get the two or three witnesses? And if you teach that. Second Corinthians. No, but where do you get it within your, within your body? I mean, and doesn't it create a suspicion in a policing environment among people who are coming to dislearn of Jesus? Oh, no, I, I mean, because I think we're uh, to assume the posture of grace. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 okay. teaches, yeah. Okay, so assuming the posture of grace, right. and then something heinous crops up. Yeah. You I, wait till there's two or three witnesses. Yeah. They bring that heinous. Or equivalent to that. Or equivalent to two or three witnesses. Okay. So like, you know, if you saw someone on camera do something, okay. right, that would be... I'd be in trouble. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you yeah. know, I yeah. mean, right? I yeah. mean, not that we have cameras. <laughs> it's, yeah. You know, right. like it's a police state, you know, yeah. like North Korea or something. Um, that's, not, that's not kind of the, the feel we go for there. So um, but I mean, I, I'm just saying it's, it's, yeah, you have to take it a case-by-case basis. It's different in, in various cases. Okay. And I, I have been involved with church discipline before, but not, not, of, not of this church. Okay. So now a real sticky subject. Yeah. Very sticky. But I got to bring it up when it comes to church discipline. Mm-hmm. Man comes to you, comes in. I had, a, had an experience with Jesus. I'm born again. I want to know the Lord. It comes to uh, Hidden Valley, and I'm gay. I was married mm-hmm. to my husband three years ago in California. Yeah. What do we do? We work with somebody the same way you work with us, somebody struggling with pornography or alcoholism. You welcome them in? Well, yeah, if the person's willing to work just as they were with alcohol, if they're willing to work on and grow in Christ in, in those areas, like alcoholism or porn, you what, work... What does that mean when you say, are you, if you're willing to work, you're welcome in? Yeah, if, if, you're, if you're willing to, um, you know, be obedient to God's word, and if you're willing to, uh, uh, you know, try and strive towards that, you know, the way I would put it is that in this life, we have a glimmer 
of obedience, um, you know, the most holy man of a glimmer of obedience, mm. but we, we strive towards, mm. toward, towards serving others and serving God, mm-hmm. even though we're not perfect. Mm. And I'm not perfect, neither are you. Right, right. And so uh, it, would, it would depend on the person's heart and their softness towards the Word of God, that they're willing to strive towards that. And people can fail and fumble, mm-hmm. but the point is, where is their heart? Or they have a heart that's honoring to God and wanting to follow His Word, um, to the best of their ability, and they're struggling with that. Because Paul struggles in Romans 7, wretched sure. man that I am. And so sure. if they have that kind of attitude rather than a self-righteous attitude, okay. then I, we work with people. I've come to know Jesus. I, I want to learn about him. I'm married to my husband. We've been deeply in love. And uh, I want to come to church. And you say, well, are you willing to be obedient to the Word of God? Well, I, I, I mean, I, I'm legally married to my husband who I love, and we're committed. I don't know yet. Yeah, uh, the, I'm, I'm open to learning, but I, I, right now I'll just tell you I was born gay, and uh, this is my uh, lover, and and I mean, what, what do so, you do? So so I you know I, I would have them come to church and get discipleship, I, I, I you know membership I would I would wait on because I'd want to. Oh, I, there's memberships in. Yeah, there, there's membership. Yeah, we're members of the body of Christ, First Corinthians. Uh, uh, I realize twelve yeah. says that. So, so I, okay, well, go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. so so we're, we're members, and so I, you know, before uniting them, I'd want to see a heart change about their their lifestyle. I see. Yeah, I, I see. mean, that doesn't mean that they're not going to sin or mess up, because if you're going to say you can't go to church because you sin and you mess up, the church is going to be empty. Right, right, right. Right. right I but, mean, and and so. But what you're doing is saying you 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 have to fall into these parameters within your mind. Your your heart has to say, I see this as what is right. I want to work toward changing that, and if they do that, that's the right approach. Yeah, like anybody else who's struggling with drugs, pornography. Drugs. Um, yeah. Um, Pot. Um, well, that's, a, I mean, there's, there's debates, but I, I tend 1950s, to, no church attendance yeah. for pot, brother. Yeah, but I, you know, I, I mean, the, the, these, are, these are a lot of different subjects, right? And so, you know, I don't claim to be a moral pope on all, the, all these things where I have definitive answers. But I would say that, you know, I, the way I would view it is I would uh, try to disciple that person and work, you know, through them to where they would have obedience in Christ and try to be sanctified in their lives. Uh, you know, and, and that doesn't mean perfection. That means a heart attitude and a heart sure. change, not like a Pharisee saying, I'm always right, I have the right view, and you're wrong, you know, and I don't care what the Bible says. I'm doing things my way, that kind of Pharisaical attitude, yeah. as opposed to the, to the tax collector who's broken and willing to work with that. And, yeah. So what I would say is that uh, there's a better approach, uh, and this is the approach you would get at Hidden Valley, but the approach I would suggest is all come. Uh, come and hear the word spoken and let the uh, word of God and let the spirit of God work upon you in the way that the spirit of God is going to work upon you. If somebody has come to know Christ and, 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 and God has touched them and brought them to him, we can trust, right, that God will work in them. Mm-hmm. Won't, won't he? So supposing, yeah, that they've come to genuine faith. Yeah, and genuine growth. faith. Yeah, yeah. And, and so if that's the case, then they're going to have that. They're going to have a reverence and a, and a, a care yeah. for God's word. Yeah. I mean, that would be the hope, right? But it would take time. They're babes in Christ. They're children. Yeah, they yeah. stumble. Yeah, and, and, and so you want to, if God started that work, he's going to bring it to completion. Yeah. And so, you know, there's going to be going to be difficulties and stumbles they'll have and you know as a pastor you love that person and shepherd them through those those difficult times and i would just say reiterate that here you come as you are whoever you are however you are hear the word let god work on you i can't work on you i'm not going to disciple you god will trust that 
Let's let you learn about him and see what he does with you rather than me taking on discipline and uh, discipling you until the point where I decide, yeah, you still yearn for that male body or or, even though you know it's wrong, you're still going to go after it on weekends. No, no, no. I think that's a personal thing between the individual and God. Uh, But my brother here, Nate, and and the way organized religion works is, is this is the intermediate, you're the intermediary, right? Uh, interme- what do you mean by that? Well, you're working in between the person and God to help disciple them to the place they need to be. Well, yeah, I would, I mean, a mediator, I mean, a medi- I would do that as Jesus. I would but, too. But, but, I, but I, would, I would say that I am um, I'm serving as a role where I shepherd them and, and help them. But I, I would not say that they need to, like, you know, get forgiveness from me. Oh, I know that. Or, you know, like in that way. But isn't no. Jesus a shepherd too? Yeah, and, and he's a chief shepherd, and so we're, we're working for Jesus yeah. and, and in that way, and the way that, just like, you know, as you said, you would practice church the way I would do it if Jesus, you didn't think Jesus came back. Sure. So, I mean, I mean, absolutely. I'm just doing it. I'm, I'm, the difference you're doing, is. You're sticking to your plan, which is, my which is admirable. Yeah. Admirable with your eschatology. Yeah. But again, let me ask you, relative to that, are you able to really stick to the biblical plan of how to do church? Uh, where, how, how are you differing from what, where do you say, What's happened here in the New Testament doesn't apply to Hidden Valley Church. I mean, are you doing everything that happens in the New Testament? Are you washing feet? Are you asking widows to wash uh, feet? I mean, how many things are you doing mm-hmm. or not doing that? I would, I would apply every principle taught by, principle. by, by Paul. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, obviously, you know, Paul uh, or, um, in the Gospel Luke talks about getting a, a, a sword. Jesus talks about that. We don't use swords today for self-defense. We would use a gun. Okay. So, I mean, you know, there, there's, there, there are things like the principles taught have application today, and we see that Jesus does that in Matthew 4.4. 4. He uh, says something that's applied to Israel, mm-hmm. you know, uh, during their time in the wilderness to, to Satan. Sure. I, man's not to live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Yeah. And it says in Romans uh, 15, it says that they were, this is old covenant people here, old mm-hmm. covenant people. And he says, you know, yeah, um, that, was, that was actually written for your instruction, but it was written to Jews. So yet the word of God can be applied. Sure, I l- believe like that. that. Yeah. I think the New Testament is a spiritual principle book. Right. Uh, not uh, a spiritual, uh, uh, I don't think it's a manual. I think it's a map. And I think there's spiritual principles in there that we do follow. I agree with you. I'm just not sure what you mean by that difference when you're well, broke, you well, say that. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen in the New Testament that are part of the church that we just don't do. And, and I don't think you're doing them either. But I want to know, but some will try. I mean, I, I went to my Mormon mission with the Amish. They certainly tried on certain things to really do the Bible. So who gets to pick and choose what gets to stay and what gets to get thrown out relative to the yeah, text? Yeah, I would say that uh, we would try to follow, not perfectly, we'd try to follow what Paul set down and Jesus set down to the best of our abilities. We not, may not be perfect at that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's why I'm a bit hesitant to say I'm the greatest approach ever. I mean, we're not, we're not, but we're trying to follow that because I believe that Jesus is coming back. And so because of that, I'm going to try to, as you would if you were me, in my shoes, you try to do the same thing I'm doing. Yeah. All the, most of the churches believe Jesus is coming back. This is probably the only one in the valley that doesn't. Right. So, I mean, right. but uh, so the that explains why we do church differently. Yeah, oh, absolutely. absolutely. And that's why that. I yeah. wanted to kind of hit on that. Yeah, I'm glad you did. Because, because you know, it, it just kind of, I feel like we're not getting at the heart of the matter. With no. James White, it's like we're kind of dancing around issues and we're not getting at the foundational issue, which is you would practice church like me if you thought. Absolutely. So, I mean, absolutely. you say absolutely. that in your show. We say that on the show all yeah. the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And so, um, but then again, what I would say if I step back is uh, I would still be in the same boat. 
because I would be practicing exactly how it was done and I would be emphatic on making sure we did what was done in that and we would become maniacal in trying to do all that and then I would be looking at other churches that don't and judging them and thinking they're not following. And so it's the same mess either way. That, yeah, I, I don't think that would be my position at all. Yeah. I mean, you got to give people grace. But you, you don't try to be harsh on people. Love hopes all things, believes all things. Right. You want to view people in the most gracious light you can. Emphasize their positive features and downplay their negative features. That's what love does for others, not okay. just like pointing the finger, being a, a, a cynical fault finder. Do you emphasize the positive features of Mormonism? Uh, well, I don't, I, 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 I don't talk about Mormonism from the pulpit explicitly. Mm. Um, but, uh, I mean, if I'm in personal conversation with somebody, you better believe I'm going to say Mormons are very nice, kind people. And they I'm are. I'm talking about Mormonism, not the Mormons. Mormonism. Because um, you just said we need because love is emphasizing the good and not focusing on it. I mean, do you emphasize the goodness of Mormonism? I mean, I, I don't, I don't like to, I don't have a particular time where, I, where that's been asked of me. I've never really. I'm asking you now. Yeah, I, because I, I will, if, I, if you're asking me now and I've never done that before, then the answer is I, it's not really a, a niche of my ministry to, to emphasize. Catholicism. The, 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 we, again, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't emphasize the, well, I mean, I, I, never, I never get asked that. So, I mean, I, the answer to your question is I have to think that through. Can a faithful uh, host-eating Catholic who prays to Mary go to heaven? Uh, Can a faithful Mormon going to the temple and believing in Jesus, wearing their garments, go to heaven? Both of them believe in Jesus. If they, if they believe in... So I, I think there, there are cases where people can have faith in Christ and despite their theology or that realize they have an inconsistency. Th those are possible. However, if somebody believes in um, a, a, a totally different view of God... If, say they thought God was money or God was a octopus or they, they, they worship the, a false God and they never repented of that until their dying day, I, I would say that person's not a Christian. Hmm. That's, that would be my, my position. And what happens to them? What hap I would say they, they would go to an eternity in hell. An eternity in hell. That's what Matthew 25, 46, I know scripture directly says. eternal punishment, eternal life. Yeah. And yeah, that yeah, would yeah. be... Um, we can talk about hell on another show. Uh, the question I have for you, finally, to wrap this up, because this is a big part of what you are in your faith, is you're a Calvinist, right? Or you're Reformed. Well, I would hold to the Westminster Standards. Um, you know, All right, what are you, tell what, me. What, what, what do you mean by Calvinist? What do you, what do you think a Calvinist is? Uh, well, I'm just saying you believe, essentially, in the description of Calvinism, which is a tulip. Uh, that, that would not be all of Calvinism. But I, I would embrace that. I mean, You'd embrace the summary. Yeah, I mean, would you, okay. let, let me ask you, would you think Calvinists believe in free will? Uh, it depends on the Calvinists, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, know. reading your books, I wasn't really, I didn't, I didn't think that you understood it. Yeah. Because the Westminster version of it would allow for, it has the a- The Westminster version of it. Yeah. But I wonder about uh, other versions. That's the only of version of it, actually. Well- I just misspoke, that's well, all. What about, the, what about the practice of it? Maybe not the version, but the practice of it. Because uh, I've had many I, say there's no such thing as free will. You know, I'm sorry, that's what they say. Yeah, well, so, they would be going against the historic Calvinism of the Westminster. Okay, and again, we have a division. Right. Proving again my point is that the divisions are endless when it comes down to this stuff. But, but wait, I got to ask you. The guy, this, wrap up the show with this. I'll let you have the final comment to the audience and, and make a pitch for people to come to Hidden Valley. Sure. Um, the guy doesn't come to repentance. He's a Catholic. He doesn't. 
he's a Mormon. He believes God is a, has a father, as a father, as a father, and Jesus was a, a created son and, and all that stuff. Yeah. But, and he never comes to faith. God knew that, correct? He would know it, yeah. He would know that. Yeah. And, and so he would die and he would go to hell for eternity. Yes, if he rejects the gospel, if you yeah. reject the gospel, you will not go to heaven. If you yeah. die if you rejecting die, the gospel. Rejecting the gospel. You can't be a Christian, you're not going to heaven. Okay, so you're, you're born into Mormonism here in, in Salt Lake City in uh, 1850 and, or 1860, and you live your life not having too much uh, exposure mm -hmm. to anything Christian. You believe God is a, has a God, has a Father, has a Father, and, you, and all this stuff, and you die believing all that. Hell, eternal burning. Well, again, I, I don't know the particular person, but assuming, no, I'm not if they, if they, reject, the, if they reject was, the gospel. What I said the person was. Yeah, if, yeah. if they reject the gospel. They, how can they reject something they haven't been given? Well, uh, if, if they, if, I mean, what, what Romans 1 says yes. is that all people know God. Right. He's invisible. His wrath has been revealed from all unrighteousness. Nobody is good, not even one. Right. So if somebody never embraces the gospel or they reject it. That's not it, the gospel. That's, that's knowing God. That's God, right? Yeah. Which I think if you have the wrong view of God, that'll affect the gospel. I think God is money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's, we're not, not gonna... talking about someone thinking God is money. We're talking about someone who's thinking that they know God and that he is those things. Right. And he is through the lens of a Mormon that they've been taught since they were a child in 1850. And now they die believing in that God. Hell forever. A burning hell, by the way. Yeah, if someone rejects the biblical God as revealed in Romans 1, and they suppress the truth and unrighteousness, they would not go to heaven if they never embrace the gospel and, they, and or they reject it. Yeah. Then, yeah, if, if you reject the God as revealed in general revelation, yeah. the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness who yeah. by their ungodliness suppress the truth and unrighteousness, mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that, that sounds like God's wrath is upon them okay. if they don't believe in, in, in the God. I mean, God says that if you hold the idols, if you worship an idol, mm -hmm. you're, you're not worshiping the true God. Mm -hmm. And so in, in this discussion, we have one, the person's been predisposed by family and parents and religion yeah. to not know anything differently. Two, he hasn't been uh, shown what is in scripture or presented the gospel. Three, he goes to a place that is eternal. That is, and you always say burning hell, that it's a burning hell forever and ever is what you say. I, I, would, I, I would say that, that it, it's, it's using language to describe how horrible it is. That okay. burning language described. Okay, that's I, not, because it's outer darkness. It's it's a you know. It's not literal. Then. It's 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 used to describe the, the the horrors of those who sin against an infinite being deserve an infinite punishment. Okay, right, yeah. right, got it. So um, when we look at the majority, mm -hmm. the majority of the human race have not come to embrace the gospel, have lived and died. Some of them willfully shaking their hand against God. Mm. Some of them in, in, in apparent ignorance, even though they might uh, recognize God in some sense or fashion. Mm -hmm. One, you're not saying they have to say Jesus is Lord. They just have to somehow acquiesce, assent to the gospel in their mind somewhere to escape this fiery hell or this, this punitive hell. Are, are you saying that people can go to heaven Yeah. Uh, without hearing the gospel? Yeah. Well, I mean, According to Romans chapter ten, it's yes or no. I'm, I'm telling you the. I'm telling you. I know the, what Romans chapter ten says. You know, if you, if you don't if you don't hear it and believe, if you don't believe Jesus is I I am mm -hmm. John chapter eight, you're, you will die in die your, your sins. Sin. Right. So if you don't if you don't accept Christ, okay. 
and that's why we have preachers to, because you aren't going to know unless they hear. Sure, and they certainly got yeah. to the to the whole world, didn't they? And I know what Paul said about the whole world. But he was talking about that area, the Oikomenia. But uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. we certainly haven't gotten yeah. to uh, everybody with the good news. And so what we have is a certainty that most of them are burning forever in a in a or using that language in a terrible, terrible place. And God knew it yeah. when He created them. And that's what you would teach at Hidden Valley to people who come in? Um, no, I wouldn't teach that because that's not what I believe. Well, what do you believe? Tell us that, and then yeah. we'll end the show on um, this. Yes. Uh, I would say that, I mean, I would say God has a plan. He's gracious, and there's many people that are going to go to heaven. I would not say it's a, it's a small club of okay. people, uh, the way, you know, that it, it's kind of uh, it's, it's put that way. And I wouldn't say that, that God uh, is just capriciously sending people to hell or, or, uh, or, or bringing about any sort of evil in people, I would say that God has a morally sufficient reason, a good reason for everything he allows and it's, it gives him glory and it's maximally good. And uh, I, 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 I would not express it at all the way you just did. Well, I'm, gl I'm glad to hear that from you because when I've talked to other uh, reformed Westminster trained, uh, it's his good will. It's his good will that he sends people to hell. Well, and it is capricious. Uh, no, it's... It, 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 it seems very capricious to me. Well, and this is your... Because it's not of, it's not of anything yeah. that you have done, and he has decided not to elect you, but yeah. has elected me. That seems capricious. Now, you're, what you're doing is you're reading into that and saying, well, he has his purposes because he's a good God. Right, he has right. his reason for everything. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I get that, and that's why I like what you've said. But I'm telling you, the people that I've talked to, that is not what comes out. Right, yeah. right. I, I've talked to... Uh, various people, but I mean, I, I've heard many Calvinists, Greg Bonson for one, that has expressed it that way, that God has a good reason for everything, and his thoughts are not our thoughts, and his ways are not our ways, and I trust in him, and his word is truth, and the truth will set me free, whether I don't like it or you don't like it, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It matters what's true, mm -hmm. and that's what I'm after, and that's why I came on your show, mm -hmm. is to discuss what's true and to mm -hmm. go over the Bible and, you know, like your, like your challenge originally stated, because mm -hmm. I care about the truth and I care about you. And we care about the truth, and I care about you, Thank and you. that's why we have you on the show. I appreciate We that. care about the people of this valley, and we care that when they enter into a church, they hear the good news, and they hear reasonable teachings, and they hear things that are not imputed upon the text by men. Joseph Smith took the text and imputed his will into it. Calvin, I believe, did the same. And, it, and the teachings uh, proliferate uh, to the rest of us, and we teach in them, and we embrace them, and, and it just puts us in that same box. And I think there's other ways to see things. In the midst of those other ways, we have to love and accept each other in Christ, if Christ is in the mix. That's, what, that's my only point. Your final thought to the audience. Yeah, and, you know, I, uh, I, I, I just hope that uh, through this discussion that you see the distinctive of difference between Sean and my approach. Obviously, I would hold to a, a hope that school shootings, uh, rapes, murder, all of those things for believers will come to an end. And as it says in Revelation chapter 21, that uh, it, uh, things have passed away and that there'll be no more mourning, no more crying. Uh, Jesus will wipe every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more pain. And that's good news. And I, that gets me up on the morning, Sunday morning, to preach that good news. That, and we can have that paradise by having faith in Christ. And that truth has set me free and it's set other free, others free. Nathaniel Taylor from Hidden Valley Church in Draper. 
Check them out if you're looking for a church in that area. And if you're, if you, if you're leaning towards the things you've heard tonight, uh, we're really glad you came on the, on the show. Thank and you I'm for glad that you, yeah. you hit things strongly and you told me what you thought. Really appreciate hey, it, brother. God bless you. God bless you. See you next week.